Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of OTR Playlist. Since at the time of this recording, it is July 2nd, the 4th of July is just a few days away, my plan was to have some sort of 4th of July episode, but seeing how now that the summer's here and the kids are off of school and between work and doing all sorts of things, I, I honestly just did not have time to uh, to gather some stuff up. So I already had a few uh, episodes from a different series here. That I think everyone should probably be familiar with. It was an old-time radio series, and it was also a TV series, and it's Dragnet. So what I'm going to do is I I'm, I'm have three episodes here. One, the first episode, is the Spring Street Gang Juveniles, which aired on December 1st, 1949. And following that is actually a two-part. There's part one and part two of the Big Gangster and those aired on March 23rd, 1950, and Part 2 aired on March 30th, 1950. So I've not yet heard these, um, so hopefully uh, you and I both enjoy these episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, best of long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to Juvenile Bureau. A rash of crimes has broken out in your city. Suspicion points to an organized gang of juveniles. Your job, stop them. If you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of long cigarettes. Smoke Fatima. It's the long cigarette that contains an essential ingredient of all the very popular cigarettes, Turkish tobacco. That's why you see the turkey symbols on the attractive golden yellow Fatima package. That's why Fatima has a much different much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. That's why Fatima doubles and redoubles its smokers. Yes, if you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of long cigarettes. Smoke Fatima. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Sunday, March 27th. It was windy in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of Georgia Street Juvenile Bureau. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way up from the juvenile bureau, and it was 11.25 p.m. when I got to the receiving hospital, room five, the treatment room. Everything happens on Sunday nights, huh, Joe? Yeah. How's the kid making out, Doc? The one arm is cut up badly. Nothing fatal, though. How'd it happen? That's what I'd like to find out. Can I talk to him? If you want, don't press him, though. He's had a bad shock. All right. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
officer here to talk to you, son. I can't. Tell him I can't talk, please. Just a few routine questions, son. You're going to have to answer them sooner or later. Please, can't you see what's happened already? I can't tell you anything. Jack Monroe, is that your real name? Yeah. How old are you? I'll be 16 next July. Where do you live? I can't tell you. You know that. Now, let me alone, will you? Let me alone. You've been running around with that gang of kids on Spring Street, haven't you? The big timers, isn't that what they call themselves? I don't know anything about it. Believe me, I can't talk. You tipped us off about the burglary they were going to pull tonight. Is that where they knifed you? Look, will you believe me? I can't tell you anything, not anything. Please. He's still shaky, Joe. All right, Doc. Well, Jack, we'll talk about it later when you feel better. You see what they've done to me already? They said next time they'd kill me. Juvenile Bureau, Friday. Yeah. Yeah, okay, friend. Goodbye. How'd you make out, Joe? Not very good, Ben. Captain Bowling, come in yet? You checked in while you were gone. Wants to see us. Okay. The kid tell you who knifed him? No, I scared him good. He wouldn't tell me a thing. You got a line on the boy's parents, Friday? I got a hold of his father. He's on his way in. How's the boy? Bad knife wounds. Nothing fatal. You know the boy? Not till this afternoon, Captain. He tipped us off about a burglary a gang of young kids were supposed to pull tonight. Did go through? No, but two hours ago, this Monroe kid was found in a vacant lot down on Olympic, cut up pretty bad. The gang must have pegged him. How long is it going to take you to break that up? Well, we're just starting to get a line on him, Bob. Must be nearly a hundred in that gang. And every one of them working hard. Take a look at the pin map over here. This spot here, look at it. All the jobs pulled during the last month, huh? The last five weeks up to date. Red tabs for burglary, must be more than 100. The robberies, green pens, count them, at least 50. And there's five more orange ones I added for the weekend, auto thefts. You bet those kids are working hard. We've got a lead on them. That's more than we had last week. And you have to push it harder. Here's the big reason. This uh, line of pins, brown and black. Purse snatchings. Purse snatching and rape, 26 of them in the past five weeks. They're pretty well concentrated in one area here. That's right. Now, what's the lead you're working on? Right there on the pen map, Captain. Huh? Well, these two blocks here, Bob, where Franco Alley intersects Spring Street. Well, what about it? Well, it's the only clear area for a dozen blocks around. There's not a colored pin on it, you see? Yeah. Now, all the rest of the pins, the robberies, burglaries, attacks, they all seem to branch out from this same spot right here in definite patterns, Franco Alley and Spring Street. You figure that's the focal point for the gang? Well, it's got all the marks. For instance? Well, we've been checking that neighborhood for a week. We got it narrowed down to one place. Right on the corner of Franco and Spring. What is it? It's a soda fountain. It's pretty typical. Only it stays open all night, and it gets a pretty good play from kids. It's a regular hangout, Captain. Pretty tough youngsters. None of them over 18. Who runs the place? Guy named Eddie Ramsey, small-time con man. Had a run-in with him when we worked bunco detail. I remember the name. Smart mouth. Tried to give us trouble when we talked to some kids in there last night. He's got a place set up for him in the back of the store, kind of a club room. It sounds like a good lead. What are you doing about it? Well, just a minute. Captain Bowling. Yeah? Who? Yeah, we'll be right down. The Monroe kid, his father's downstairs, cursing every one of us. What's his problem? Can't understand how his boy got into trouble. Come on, Ben, let's tell him. What kind of a city do we have when we can't allow our children out on the street without being stabbed or shot? What's our great police force doing when this is going on? 
I'd like an answer if you got one. I demand an answer. We got an answer for you, Mr. Monroe. Will you sit down? My boy's lying in there in that hospital bed, cut to pieces. What did you do to prevent it? Tell me. You tell us, Mr. Monroe. What'd you do to prevent it? I'm no cop. That's your job. I pay my taxes and I help pay your salary. We look out for your kids, but we don't raise them. That's what you're talking job. about. Just a minute, Mr. Monroe. Answer me this. How old is your son, Jack? He's 16, I think. Why? You know what he does with his spare time? Where he spends his nights? Of course I do. He's at home. Some nights he goes to the library. Then you don't know much about your son, Mr. Monroe. For the past month, four nights out of five, he's been hanging around with a gang down at a soda fountain on Spring Street. He's down there as late as 2 a.m. He says he goes to the library. How do I know? I'm a busy man. Did you know that your son is mixed up with that gang? He's not mixed up with a gang. A bunch of small-time thieves, but they're growing. They started with purse snatching, breaking in parked cars, burglarizing candy stores. You don't know what you're talking about. Wait a minute, please. And then they took up robbery, stealing cars, beating up girls, women, attacking them. You're crazy. Jack's not that kind. He's part of that gang, and right now we hold all of them responsible. My boy wouldn't do anything like that. He's a member of that gang, he told us. They're the ones that knifed him tonight. That's a lie. Jack's not mixed up with anything like that. You believe anything you want, Mr. Monroe. We're going to protect your boy as much as we can, but don't expect us to raise him for you. Now, you better take a free piece of advice. You keep your advice. Jack's not in this. You can't prove he is. We're not out to prove anything right now. But you catch up with that boy of yours. Keep him off the streets before it's too late. Are you threatening me? No, sir, advising you. Next time we might meet at the morgue. One AM Monday, March twenty eighth. A detail of fifty officers from Juvenile Bureau and Metropolitan Division were deployed for sixteen blocks along Figueroa Street. At five minutes past one, they started to move south over an appointed area. In the space of half an hour, eighteen young kids. None of them over 17 years old were picked up off the streets and brought to the second floor at 1335 Georgia Street, the Juvenile Bureau. Four of the youngsters were girls. At 1.45 a.m., Ben and I checked the soda fountain on the corner of Franco Alley and Spring Street. Same bunch, Joe. Business as usual. Yeah, come on. Hey, Teddy, the bulls. They're back again. Same guys. Go back and tell Eddie. Hey, look, why do you guys have to keep tracking us, huh? You think we were crooks or something. You were here the last time we checked in, Teddy. You ever go home? Sure, when I'm tired. I ain't tired. Uh, what's the matter? That's your money on the table there? Sure, it's my money. You want to borrow a buck? <laughs> $28. That's a lot of money for a boy your age. You keep pretty late hours, son. You have to go to school in the morning? Maybe. I can sit here, can't I? It's free country. I'm drinking coffee. You gonna make me on that? Hmm? <laughs> You've been drinking more than coffee. Where's your driver's license? Oh, every time the same thing. There. March 10th, 1933. 16 years old. Hey, they giving you trouble, Ted? Eddie's on his way out. What's your name? Jones. Clyde Jones. Huh, Ted? <laughs> sure. He's got money, too. Rich family. <laughs> you can save the smart talk, boys. Any of your pals in the back room? Uh, what's the trouble now, Sergeant? How many times a week do we get a checkup? Go ahead, Eddie. Read them off. We told you the last time, Ramsey. Clean up your place here or we'll ride your back till you do. I told you the last time, Sergeant. There's nothing wrong with my place. It's almost 2 o'clock in the morning. You got a dozen underage kids hanging around here doing nothing. Some of them have been drinking. Schoolboys. Better to have them in here than hanging around outside in the street. I keep an eye on them. You're not the guardian, Ramsey. This time of night, they've got no business in here or on the street alone. That's your opinion, huh? That's the law, Ramsey. Now, either you shut down that back room and keep these kids out of here late at night, or we'll go after your license. You don't scare me, Sergeant. <laughs> you can't prove a thing. A couple of these kids have juvenile records. They're on probation. We can tag you for contributing. You still don't scare me. 
Now, why don't you leave the kids alone? That's right, Eddie. Read them off. Ben, get Benson and Bell. Roger. If you won't clean up your place, Ramsey, we'll do it for you. Yeah? What are you going to do? We're pulling these boys in, all of them. a.m. Monday, March 28th. The dragnet operation had netted 30 juveniles, 26 boys, 4 girls. 24 of the children were between the ages of 16 and 17. They were lodged in the assembly room at the Georgia Street Juvenile Bureau. The other half dozen were 13 and 15-year-olds. They were taken to the juvenile hall at 1369 Henry Street. At 2.43 a.m., we met with Captain Bowling. All checked in, 30 of them. All right, in the morning we filed petitions to have every one of these cases brought to the attention of the juvenile court. Make a note of it. Okay, Bob. For the kids with records, ask for detention from the probation department. Right. We'll call their parents in the morning. Call them now. They've got some explaining to do. By 6 a.m., all but three of the children's parents had shown up. To most of them, it was nothing new. Their kids had been there before. They'd be there again. They took the lecture from the juvenile officers calmly. As long as it didn't mean trouble for them, they wouldn't worry. When they got their children home, they would reprimand them. Not for running the streets, but for being picked up by the police. Ben and I had seen the cycle of the young criminals start before, a hundred times over. It had a lot of different endings, most of them sour. During the next week that followed, we booked an average of a dozen juvenile delinquents every night. The clampdown continued, so did the crime wave. Ten burglaries, four robberies, eight car thefts, six purse snatchings, three assaults on women. One week's work. Picked up a new angle on Ramsey today, Captain. He might be fencing for the game. Who gave you the tip-off? One of our informants. Ramsey's brother lives out in the valley. He's supposed to be pushing the stuff. You check him out? Yeah, I couldn't get a thing on him. Well, that might explain what attracts the kids to that soda fountain. It explains those $20 bills the kids are flashing. They steal and rob, and then they sell the loot to Ramsey for nothing. Another thing. Ramsey keeps his place open all night, and there's no reason to. He doesn't get that much trade. It's only from the young gang that hangs around there. You question the kids. How do they account for having all that money? Well, most of them say Ramsey lends it to them. They say they pay him back a little at a time. I think he's fencing for the kids. Have you tried to get his license? No luck, Captain. We can't prove a thing against him. Then we'll do it the hard way. Sweat it out. That night, we drove out to Ramsey Soda Fountain and asked him again to clean up his place, to keep the young kids out after 10 o'clock at night, to stop lending them money. He refused. There was nothing we could do. His business was a public place. He could not be held responsible for any of his patrons. In the next 10 days that followed, Ben and I haunted the sidewalk outside the soda fountain. We questioned every youngster as they entered and left. We made more than a dozen arrests. Many of the kids had been drinking heavily. We found some of them under the influence of narcotics. But Ramsey was still in the clear. The crime wave continued sporadically. Ben and I waited for our chance. It was a long time coming. Thursday, April 14th, we had dinner at Johnny Coken's place, and it was 10.35 p.m. when we checked back in at the office. Hot shot. Grab it, Joe. Yeah. The terminal on Market Street, a 4.59 in shooting. Terminal on Market Street, a 459. Let's go. He was approximately five feet four inches tall, 125 pounds, brown hair, brown eyes, slight build, fair complexion. He was wearing blue jeans and a corduroy jacket. We found him between a row of packing cases at the rear of the warehouse at Terminal and Market Streets. There was a single bullet hole on his forehead just above the left eye. There was a 38 revolver near his right hand. The watchman told us how it happened. He broke in the back of the warehouse, Sergeant. He wanted to shoot it out with me. Here's his ID card. Fell out of his pocket. Teddy Cameron, age 15. Dear God, a kid. 
I didn't know, Sergeant. He didn't either. He thought he was grown up. You are listening to Dragnet for the solution to an actual case from official police files. Now, here's the solution to many of your Christmas shopping problems. If your friends smoke a long cigarette, give the best of long cigarettes. Give Fatima, and all is well. Fatima. The long cigarette that contains an essential ingredient of all the very popular cigarettes, Turkish tobacco. Give Fatima, and all is well. Fatima. The cigarette that has a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. Give Fatima, and all is well. Fatima. The cigarette that has doubled and redoubled in popularity. Here are the authentic reports. New York Division. Fatima sales up 132%. Chicago Division. Fatima sales up 453%. Los Angeles Division. Fatima sales up 545%. More and more smokers agree Fatima is the best of long cigarettes. So enjoy Fatima yourself and give Fatima for Christmas in the attractive golden yellow carton. Everyone who smokes Fatima says that this great new long cigarette is the best of all long cigarettes. Los Angeles Police Department, Form 311, dead body report. Type, gunshot. DR number, 437-695. Victim, Theodore Cameron. Residence address, 960 Charter Street. Date and time of death, Thursday, April 14th, 10.35 p.m. Place, Terminal and Market Streets, South State Warehouse. Cause of death, gunshot. Motive or reason, attempted burglary. Time discovered, 10.40 p.m. Removed to County Morgue. Discovered by Carl Hyber, night watchman. Identified by... Barbara Cameron, sister. Description of victim, male, Caucasian, age 15. Height, weight, so on and so on. Occupation, student, descent, English, and so on. Witness, mm, signed Joe Friday, serial number 2288. Age 15. Ready, Joe? Hmm? And Cameron Boy's sister, she's waiting in oh. the next room. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. She taking it hard? Yeah. Morning, Miss Cameron. Good morning. We won't keep you long, just a few routine questions. Yes, all right. Miss Cameron, how many are there in your family? There were three of us. Teddy, Mike, and me. Mother and father are dead. I work. 
Teddy and Mike go to school. I mean, Mike does. How old is your brother Mike, Miss Kim? He's 14. You're the sole support of your two brothers? Yes. Do you have any idea who the boys were your brother Ted used to run around with? I don't know them by name. I remember seeing a couple of them once or twice. Mike would know, I think. He and Ted were pretty close, brothers. Do you know if Ted mixed with a gang of kids down on Spring Street? Maybe Mike would know that. Sergeant Teddy wasn't a bad boy. He wasn't a bum. None of us are. I tried to raise the boys like Ma told me. It wasn't easy. We made out. Yes, I understand, Miss Cameron. My salary didn't have too much, but we got by. Yeah. I figured on getting married. I'm 31. Be good for the boys, especially Teddy. He's dead, isn't he? Yeah. I couldn't be in two places at once. Hold a job and watch the kids. But that's why I thought maybe your husband... I'm sorry to press, Miss Cameron. Do you think your brother Mike can tell us about that Spring Street gang? No, Mike could know. Where can we find him? Staying at a friend's house. I got the address in my bag. Here. That's 2514. I don't write numbers too well. Thank you, Miss Cameron. You've been very helpful. I'll get somebody to drive you home. Oh, do I have to go? Would it be all right if I just sit here for a while? That's all right. I'm tired. Real tired. 2514 West Serrano Street. That was the address Barbara Cameron had given us. It was the home of Mr. and Mrs. Jean Brewer, high school friends of the dead boy's sister. We talked to Mike Cameron. He told us that his brother Teddy had been running around with a gang down on Spring Street. He identified Ramsey Soda Fountain as the hangout. It was 2.25 p.m. when we got back to Georgia Street Juvenile Bureau. Hi, guy. Juvenile Bureau, Romero. Yeah, hold on, I'll call him. You, Joe. Thanks. Friday. Joe, this is Canfield in burglary. Yeah, Homer. You're working that Cameron case, aren't you? Yeah. I just got a report on one you might be interested in, out of the same neighborhood. Distillery prowl. What do you got on it? Looks like a juvenile M.O. They got away with seven cases of scotch whiskey. Expensive stuff. Okay, we'll hop on it. Bubeck Warehouse, Crocker at 7th. Miss Elizabeth Rice was the auditor in charge at the Bubeck Warehouse. We located her on the mezzanine office row. It was her job to keep a running inventory on all incoming and outgoing liquor stock. She knew her job well. As you know, Sergeant Friday, each and every bottle of distilled spirits carries a United States Internal Revenue stamp. Yes, ma'am. Each stamp carries a serial number together with the name of the firm to whom the stamps are issued. Well, Miss Rice, in the stuff that's missing, the stamp on each bottle carries the case number. Is that right? That's right. Now, what did I tell you? Oh, yes, I have it right here. Seven cases of high-grade blended scotch whiskey. Now, I have a bottle identical to those in the missing cases. Yes, I see. Now, if you'll just look here. Yes, ma'am. The number on this stamp here, 368-227-9956, followed by the firm name. Uh, could you give us the numbers of the stolen cases? Now, I have them typed out for you right here. Seven cases, 12 bottles to the case, Canada Dry Incorporated, four of the red label and three of the black label, Johnny Walker. All right, thank you very much, Miss Wright. And you think that this might be a juvenile case, Sergeant? Yes, ma'am, we do. Seven cases, that's close to $600, isn't it? We've lost a great deal more than that, Sergeant. 
The insurance company makes up for the liquor loss. Yes, ma'am. Those youngsters, who makes up for them? Ben and I left the Bubeck warehouse with a list of serial numbers of the seven cases of stolen liquor. We headed back for the juvenile bureau. We figured that there was a strong possibility that the Spring Street gang was responsible for the warehouse liquor theft. How were they disposing of the stolen property? That was the key question we had to answer. Ben and I had a hunch and a tip from an informant that the young gang was operating under the guidance of a fence, a man or woman whose job it is to dispose of stolen property. The gang members were close to Ramsey at the soda fountain. Ramsey was the logical suspect. All right, well, suppose they did steal the liquor. Suppose Ramsey's a fence. What's he done with the stuff? I don't think he's turned it this fast, if he's turned it at all. He wouldn't keep it at the soda fountain, no liquor license. And we've been around too much. He wouldn't keep it in his house. He lives in the rear of the fountain. It's too hot. Only leaves one other location that we know about. His brother's place in the valley. It was five minutes to ten when we turned left off Ventura Boulevard onto Sepulveda. Ramsey's brother had a small farm about a mile and a half off the highway. It was a modest white frame house planted squarely in the center of an acre of ground. An unpaved driveway led off to the left of the house to the garage. Pull up here, huh? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it looks kind of quiet, no lights. Let's go. Mud sticks to everything. Now, where's the doorbell? Oh, here it is. You got your flashlight? Yeah, what? Here's a note somebody left. Oh, it's on the bum again. Here, I'll strike a match. Okay. Can you hold it a little closer? Can you read it? Yeah. Harry, wife and I have gone to the drive-in theater. Before you put the truck away, get three... Can you hold that match closer? Oh, no, wait a minute. Yeah, get three cases out of the garage and take them into town. Ed is waiting. Please try to make it by 11.30 tonight. Let's see, it's signed George. The address is here. And there's a garage. Yeah, come on. Three cases. Could be eggs, Joe. If it is, we wasted a trip. Oh, I'm out of matches, Joe. All right, here, use mine. What was that? Checking. Come on. See anything? No. There goes the light. Just a minute. I'll strike another one. You can save your matches. We found it. We found five cases of scotch whiskey on the floor of the garage. We checked the serial numbers against the warehouse list. They matched. We went back to the car and called communications. We had an immediate stakeout placed on George Ramsey's place, and then we headed back for the city. It was 11.20 p.m. when we got to the address we found on the note. It's about time, Harry. Hello, Ramsey. We can do without the music. What's your problem this time? Hey, you're almost out of scotch, Ramsey. Serial numbers check out, Joe. Sorry I can't offer you a drink. We're too old to drink here, aren't we, Ramsey? Where's your phone? You want to invite somebody? You can see we're out of booze. You got a phone? In the hall. Ben, call the office. Yeah. All right, what's it all about? We've been out to your brother's place. What happened to the other two cases? You drink them here? I gave it to the kids. What are you looking at me like that for, Sergeant? Anything wrong, Eddie? Party's over, kid.
The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On June 5th, 1949, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 74, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. Earlier tonight, you heard the reports of amazing increases in Fatima smokers from New York to Los Angeles. Yes, all over the country, Fatima is doubling and redoubling its sales. And here's reason one. Fatima is the long cigarette that contains an essential ingredient of all the very popular cigarettes, Turkish tobacco. Reason two. Fatima has a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. Reason three. To millions of smokers, the name Fatima has always stood for the best in cigarette quality. Smoke Fatima, the best of all long cigarettes. Edward and George Ramsey were tried and convicted in Superior Court of receiving stolen property. After serving their terms as prescribed by law in the state penitentiary they will be returned to the county jail where they will serve a one-year term for contributing to the delinquency of minors. You have just heard Dragnet, a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of acting chief of police, W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Honoring the city of Greenwich, state of Connecticut, and the men who make up the Greenwich Police Department another of America's great law enforcement agencies. One of these men, Chief John M. Gleason, FBI National Police Academy graduate, who dedicates his life to making yours more secure. Fatima Cigarettes, the best of long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet from Los Angeles. This Christmas, give the gift that makes every pipe smoker happy. A Christmas humidor of mellow Granger. Granger is made just for pipes by the tried and true Wellman method. Rough cut to smoke mild and cool. And humidor packed to stay ever fresh. Yes, make this Christmas a merry Christmas for all the pipe smokers on your list. Give them each a Christmas humidor of mellow Granger. Listen to Dragnet next week and be sure to hear Morton Downey tonight on NBC. If you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of long cigarettes. Smoke Fatima. Fatima is the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make Fatima extra mild. And that's why Fatima has a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. That's why Fatima is doubling and redoubling its smokers. So, if you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke Fatima. The story you're about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima cigarettes. Best of all long cigarettes. Brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to homicide detail. Attempts have been made on the life of a notorious hoodlum in your city. 
His death could mean an open gang war. Your job, stop it. If you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke king-size Fatima. Fatima is the long cigarette, which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos, superbly blended to make Fatima extra mild. And that's why Fatima has a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. That's why Fatima has more than doubled its smokers coast to coast. So... Enjoy Fatima, the best of all long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, July 18th. It was hot in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. It was 5.35 p.m. when we got out of the car at Sunset Boulevard and Paris Avenue and walked down the street to the scene of the machine gunning, Lupo's Cafe. Hmm. Look at that, Joe. Yeah. Ripped out the whole front of the place. Yeah. Hi. Yes, sir. Romero and Friday, homicide. Oh, I'm Sheldon from Hollywood Division. Taylor and I picked up the call in our car. Nobody hurt. What's the story? Just a second. It's Captain Elliott. Hold it a minute, will you, Sheldon? Hi. Hi, Captain. Hmm. Not much of it left. Sheldon here was in the cruiser car. He'll fill us in. All right. The intended victim was Gus Valentine. He's over there with Taylor, my partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. According to Valentine, he stopped in the restaurant here for a drink. He was in there about 15 minutes, came out to hail a cab, and this car came around the corner. Down there, Sunset and Clayton. They whipped by close to the curb and opened up. Mm-hmm. I've got the laundry there on one side of the place and a dry-cleaning joint on the other side. Yes, sir. Miracle, but nobody was hit. Did you get anything on the car? Nothing so far happened so fast, nobody got a good look at it. How about Valentine? Does he have any ideas? I don't know. Taylor's getting the information. Nobody saw anything? Any witnesses? Uh, yes, sir. A couple. Uh, newsboy Tim Benson, the lady in the dry-cleaning place, Agnes Rebart. Mm-hmm. Neither of them got a license number. Okay. Like to talk to Valentine. Well, Sheldon, keep the area clear, will you? Lab men are on their way out. Yes, sir. Come on. Told you I have many ideas. Green Fort Sedan, that it? Yeah. Elliot, Central Homicide. Yes, sir. This is Mr. Valentine, the intended victim. Yeah. This is Sergeant Friday, Sergeant Romero. Sergeant Friday, how are you? Fine. It's been a long time. Finally got out of the uniform, huh? Seven years ago. Who was it, Gus? If I knew, I'd tell you. I don't like being shot at. Let's go sit in the car. This way, Valentine. You want to get him back? All right. What's the story, Valentine? How do you mean? Let's not play it cozy. Who's after you? You suppose this would have happened if I knew? Who's carrying the beef? Somebody's unhappy with you. You must know who. I don't. You know what kind of a car it was? I told the other cop over there. Sedan, Green Ford. We're not going to press you, Valentine. You might as well know how we pegged this kind of thing. Yeah? We got your number. Had it for a long time. 
You're all up and down the blotter from Lincoln Heights to the county jail. You got a record everybody in this town knows about. Aren't you a little mixed up? I'm the guy that got shot at. We know that. I pay my taxes for protection, not a lecture on my past. Let me give you the word, Valentine. I've known you for a long time, and I've read about you in the newspapers. I've watched your so-called climb from two-bit penny ante rackets all the way up. Now, you've been told more than once about keeping your nose clean. This is a switch, isn't it? Man got shot at, cops read riot act, innocent victim. Look, we know you and we know that crowd you run with. If you want to start a war, run a battlefield. Don't pick the streets of Los Angeles to fight it out. I think I asked for it the way you men talk. You did somewhere up and down the line. We know your operation. You walk the sideline marker all the way. Always got one foot inside the law. When you make yourself a target for some punk's machine gun, that's where you step outside. Oh, what are you going to do, eat me out and let the man with a machine gun get away? We'll get him, whether you want to help us or not. We just don't have the time to run around jamming a cork in the barrel of every gun in town. Before you get out of this car, let this sink in. There's not going to be any innocent people cut down by bullets that were meant for you. Oh, I get it. My tax money's no good, huh? I pay a bigger chunk than most of the clouds in this town. You haven't got a clear title to the city yet, and until you do, don't set up a shooting gun. Now, what do I do, dig a foxhole till you get ready to tab whoever's taking pot shots at me? You can tell us who it is. You got all I know. Don't you think I'd want him picked up? I think you're a liar. I think you better square your beef and knock off this gangster stuff. It's not going to be any more of this kind of thing, understand? That's the trouble with civil service. It makes a big man out of you 200 bucks a month. I've never passed an exam, but I keep in step. You missed the first one from the gutter to the sidewalk. Almost without exception, every city in the United States has its Gus Valentine. These men remain out of custody, not because of any lack of law enforcement, but because of their ability to hide behind the laws which are designed to protect the innocent and use them to their own advantage. They operate allowing only the thinnest margin possible between themselves and the state penitentiary. We drove back to Central Division. At 6.18 p.m., we were called to the chief of detectives' office. He wouldn't give you anything, huh? Not a thing. Usual line of smart talk. Who's ever after him meant business. Our storefronts were a mess. Well, they won't quit now. Just a minute. What's that intelligence number? 2821. Oh, yeah. Mr. Brown, Captain White gone home? No, ask him to come up to the office, will you, please? Thanks. If they do manage to tag Valentine, it cause a pretty sour mess. He's got enough flunkies around to parlay it into a fair-sized shooting war. See them started on less. Was there any chance of pulling Valentine in until things simmer down? No chance. We've got nothing on him, nothing we can prove. He's got a few boys close to him. Maybe one of them could tell her. Mm, same two lawyers work for all of them. We'd pull him in, they'd be out in an hour and a writ. You want to see me? Yeah, why? Sit down. That uh, Valentine's shooting this afternoon. Yeah. What's your guess? There's been some talk. We heard he was hot. You knew that. Yeah. The way we figured, he's getting too big for his pants. He's coming up fast. Stepped on a lot of toes on the way. Shouldn't be too tough to find out why. That's half of it. We get that much, maybe we can find out who. You got a big field to pick from. I can find you a dozen possibles. Well, we don't need a dozen. All we want are the ones in that car this afternoon. Who do you figure, Captain Why? Well, I kind of go along with Joe. Like I said, I think maybe we'll be able to peg why a little faster. And we can go from there. All right. Well, let's take what we know about the guy. Let's just take this past year. We know he's got more than a good share of the Mexican narcotics traffic. That means he's taking business from the Eastern Syndicate. That makes one of those boys a candidate. That's right. And there's the pinball machines. He's given Big Ernie Jacobs and Monk Watson a big push on those. That puts them in the running. That's a long list. The horses, fancy poker games, prostitution, the works. He's squeezing them all. A lot of guys could be shooting at him with a machine gun. Where do we start? Legwork, lots of it, fast. We'll start nosing around, see what we can pick up. Friday, uh, you and Romero can give us a hand there. Yes, sir. 
All right, with you, Elliot? Fine. I don't have to tell you. We've got to move as quick as we can. We've got a lot of places to hit, and we haven't got too much time. We'll, we'll keep Valentine under surveillance to make sure he doesn't try to square things with a gun. Yeah. This is one the taxpayers wouldn't understand. Yeah. Trying to keep a guy alive that'd be more dangerous dead. Wednesday, July 19th. Ben and I started making arounds to find out why someone was out to get Gus Valentine. Captain was right. The list of his enemies was long. For two days, we talked to gamblers and bartenders at the usual hangouts. The few slim leads we picked up led nowhere. Saturday, July 22nd, we met with one of Ben's informants, a bar boy at a cafe out on Santa Monica Boulevard. That's him over there at that table. Oh, yeah. Jerry? How are you? Hiya, Ben. Grab a chair. You know my partner, don't you? Sure, sit down, Joe. Hi. Want a beer? No, no thanks. We're working. Coke? Okay. Well, one's enough. We'll Here split you it. Here It's good and cold. Doctor cut me down one beer a day. It's a spot on a hot day, don't it? Yeah. What about Valentine? What about him? You hear anything since I phoned you? Hmm. A couple of things. Word's getting around. He's a welcher. Horses? I don't know. Big money. Hasn't paid off yet. Who does he owe? I can give you the name of one of them. Sal Tapper. I don't know him. Meatpacking business. Wholesaler. Got a big plant down at 54th and commercial. Owns a little neighborhood bar. That's where he spends most of his time. Where's that? Gardena. Hmm. Calls it the Mile High. And what about this Sal Tapper? What do you mean? How close is he to Valentine? You mean one of his boys? Yeah. No. Valentine's his book, that's all. I'm supposing Valentine owed him a wad of dough. Would he push his point? How do you mean? Would he use pressure to collect? Maybe a meat cleaver, not a machine gun. I don't figure him in on that Tuesday caper. Mm-hmm. Sure you don't want this set of coke? No, thank you. What time you go to work? Plenty of time. <sighs> one bottle of beer ain't hardly enough. Any rumbles about the shooting? How do you mean? Anything worth repeating? Oh, everybody says the same thing. He's got it coming. Who is everybody? The homeowners, neighborhood Joes. They got it all pegged. What's the popular guess? A name. Well, that's about it, huh, Jerry? That's about it. What's your guess? Fresh out, I don't know. How come you guys are so worried about Gus Valentine? I didn't think you care whether he lived or died. Either way, we're in trouble. We left the cafe on Santa Monica Boulevard and drove out to Gardena to the Mile High Bar. It was a typical neighborhood tavern with the windows painted in black except for two small ovals in the center of each window. They were filled with beer signs and red neon. A cloth sign advertised shuffleboard and life-size television. Inside, the walls were covered with alpine mountain climbers trying to fight their way up a mountain that looked twice as steep as the Matterhorn. Give me ten nickels, will you, Larry? Can you tell us where we can find Sal Tapper? Yeah, I'm him. Thanks, Lynn. What do you want? Police officers. I'd like to talk to you. Sure, what about? Gus Valentine. Yeah? He owes me money. Is that all you've got against him? As much as he owes me, that's enough. It's a real tough machine to do. How much money does he owe you? Enough. How long has he been booking for you? I didn't say he was booking for me. No, we did. About two years.
4,000 on the first ball. I got to do better than that. Where were you Tuesday afternoon? At the packing house. Can you prove it? Would I say it if I couldn't prove it? When that little gate up there turns green and you go through it, you get an extra ball. It's red, it doubles your score, but it's real tough to get in there. How long has Valentine owed you money? Oh, a little over a week. When did he say he'd pay you? He didn't say. Said he was trying to raise the dog. You the only one he owed? No. There's a couple of more guys in town. You know who they are? No. How do you know he owes somebody besides you? I heard. Did he say why he hasn't paid up? What'd you say? Did he say why he hasn't paid up? I told you. He said he was trying to raise the money. You sure you haven't tried to put the bite on him? Sure I have. Sure I have. I want the dog. But I didn't gun him. Somebody did. Yeah, I know. I know. It wasn't me. You had a reason. It's a lot of people. Yeah. We're looking for the one with the machine gun. Well, I can't help you there. Oh, come on. Oh. Get in there. Hey! Hey, look at that. Free ball. 26,000. That's a real tough machine to beat. Where did you say you were, Tuesday? At my packing plant, 54th and commercial. Okay. How long have you known Gus Valentine? About four years. I met him at a party out in Hollywood. It's the first time I've ever known him to Welch. Mm-hmm. In there. Now. Ah. 27,000. I'm not doing so good, am I? I don't know. It depends on where you were Tuesday. 12.30 p.m. We talked with the superintendent of Tapper's meatpacking house. He told us that Sal Tapper had been there all day when Gus Valentine was shot at. We talked to several employees of the plant. They corroborated his story. We checked Tapper out and found him to be a fairly respectable businessman who gambled a great deal on the side, but we felt reasonably sure that he had no part in the shooting. We knew that if we could run down the others to whom Valentine owed money, we'd be closer to finding out why he was being shot at and eventually get to the right man. 1.45 p.m., Ben and I went upstairs to the eighth floor of the city hall, the lunchroom. We had a sandwich and coffee. Too close to dinner to have a piece of that pie, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. Hand me another napkin, will you? Yeah. Here. Thank you. Think you'd do any good to talk to Valentine again? Maybe, I doubt it. He's not going to tell us anything. I figure we're on the right track. A lot of reasons why he might be a target, but this welching business, that's new to him. Yeah, could be. You Sergeant Friday? That's right. Telephone. Wait a minute, I'll go with you. I'm finished. No, you got the check. I'll get the tip. All right. Hey, slide that phone over, will you? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Friday. Elliot, come down to Chief Brown's office right away. Yes, sir. Let's go. Pie sure did look good. Come on, let's get that elevator. Yeah. Hey, who called? He's a skipper. He wants us to go to Chief Brown's office. Temple Street floor, please. What's up? I don't know. We make the runs again tonight? Yeah, a couple of places we can hit in the south end of town. I called Charlie Flint's place this afternoon. Maybe he'll have something for us. Yeah, I hope so. Come on. Yeah. Wish now I'd had that pie. I'm still hungry. 
I got a candy bar in my desk. You can have that. I can't eat those chewy bars inlays. No, oh, it's some kind of a fudge bar. Oh, fine. Come in. Yes, sir. Get over to Georgie Street right away. Why? That's Valentine. They did it again. Yeah? This time they didn't miss. Step by step are the reasons why Fatima has more than doubled its smokers from coast to coast. Step one. The name Fatima has always stood for the best in cigarette quality. Step two. Long cigarette smokers discover Fatima has a much different, much better flavor and aroma. Step three. Long cigarette smokers find Fatima extra mild. Fatima is the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make Fatima extra mild. And that's why more and more smokers every day agree it's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Yes, the name Fatima on that golden yellow package is your insurance of an extra mild smoke. So enjoy king-size Fatima, the best of all long cigarettes. Saturday, July 22nd, 5.30 p.m. We drove to the Georgia Street Receiving Hospital and went up to the third floor. We talked to the doctor in charge who told us that two slugs had been taken from Gus Valentine's right leg and one from his right shoulder. They had been marked for identification. It was in fair condition. We talked with the patrolman who made the ambulance follow-up. They told us Valentine had been shot as he entered his apartment house garage. There were no eyewitnesses. We went in and talked to Valentine. You told the officers that the guy who shot you was on foot. Yeah. Who was it? Couldn't tell. You haven't any idea who it could have been? No. You don't expect us to swallow that again, do you? I don't care either way. Why don't you pay up what you owe? What do you mean? You owe some big money you haven't paid off. Where'd you get that? That's the word going around. Looks to us like you either pay up or get shot up. Did I ask for advice? No, and here's something else you didn't ask for. Twice in one week you've been mixed up in shooting scrapes. We told you this city doesn't belong to you. I don't claim ownership. Now listen, we've been over this before and this is the last time. Don't push us any courage. We know you talk big and you haven't got the guts to go along with yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Now come on, who's shooting at you? I know your phone number. I'll call you if I need help. I'll take care of this myself. Valentine, the first time you pull a cap gun, we're going to sit on you. If there's any retaliating, we'll do it. I'm tired of sitting like a duck on a pond. Then tell us who's gunning for you. That's between me and them. I'll meet him when I'm ready. All right. We're through talking. When we get to the bottom of this and find out who's been doing all the shooting, we'll have an answer. And if we find out you've been withholding evidence, it's going to go hard for you, understand? Yeah, sure. Now leave me alone. Come on, Jim. Yeah. I better call the office. Homicide, Graham. Captain Elliott there? I'll see. Captain, will you take two? Elliot. This is Friday, checking in on the Valentine thing. What's the story? Couldn't get anything out of him. He isn't hurt bad. Right leg and shoulder. All right. Here's something you can run down. Yeah? Got a tip from White in Intelligence. He's got a man out at Freddy's Fish and Chips on Slauson. Says a couple of guys in there blowing off about Valentine. Who are they? Billy Keel and Tony Farrar. Uh, they're not on Valentine's team. That's right. White's man says the party's getting rough out there. You Romero better follow up on it. Right. Another thing, if it looks like anything, you better bring him in for questioning. Okay. Check me when you get in. Right. Let's go. What is it? 
Keel and Farrar. Skipper wants us to pick them up and bring them in for questioning. What do they know about the shooting? They know enough to talk about it. 7 p.m. We located Freddy's Fish and Chips place on Slauson near Montgomery Street. A dozen or so tables at the back of the restaurant were already taken with the overflow lined up too deep at the bar. The man from intelligence detail was down at the far end of the steam table nursing a cheese sandwich. He motioned us over and pointed out Billy Keel and Tony Farrar. They were sitting at one of the tables along with four other men drinking boilermakers and eating French fried potatoes. Ben and I made our way through the crowd toward the back tables. Sorry. Sorry. Pardon me. Can I get through here, please? All right. So it's figures. Don't it? You, Billy Keel? That's right. Which one's Tony Farrar? He's getting a beer. What do you want? Police officers want to talk to you and Farrar downtown. What's the matter? I'd like to ask you a few questions. You want to get your hat? You got any questions, you can ask them here. Hey, Vic, how about buying around? Come on, Keel, let's go. I got nothing to tell you now. Let me alone. There's two ways to go downtown, the hard way and the easy way. Let's take the easy way. All right. This way. Okay. Pretty bad. Yeah, I know. Let's get him to the car. Look at your suit. It's ripped to pieces. My wife's gonna kill me. One of the officers in the ambulance follow-up drove our car back to the city hall. Tony Farrar and Billy Keel were taken to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital for emergency treatment. We went in the same ambulance. Ben had a broken index finger, a two-inch cut in his scalp, and a deep gash in his right thigh. I had five stitches taken in my upper right arm and three above my left eye. My right eye was swollen shut. The man from intelligence detail was taken to the PNF ward to be treated for a minor concussion. It was 9.15 p.m. when we got back to the city hall, the interrogation room. How about it, Keel? What? What do you know about the Valentine shooting? I don't know anything about it. You're worried. About what? You tell us. You started that fight out there. I didn't see any reason to go downtown. Does Valentine owe you any money? No. You've been talking a lot. Any law against that? Why'd you shoot Gus Valentine? I didn't shoot him. Can you account for your time Tuesday afternoon? I don't have to answer that. Where were you this afternoon? My lawyer's coming in. Ask him. How much money does Valentine owe you? Kill. Ever see this before? I don't even know what it is. We found that machine gun in your apartment. Doesn't belong to me. 
We got your car downstairs. Green Ford sedan. Doesn't belong to me. White slip's got your name on it. Here's something else with your name on it. Two chits for $750 signed by Gus Valentine. Money he owes you on the horses. You shot him, didn't you? I don't see how you can prove it. I'll tell you how. We ran this Tommy gun through the crime lab. We dug the same slugs out of the front of those stores where you tried to kill Valentine. Your prints are all over the gun. How much more do you want? It's not my gun. All we got to do is find the 45 you used this afternoon and match it up with the slugs we dug out of Valentine's leg, and, mister, you'll be away for a long time. All right. We used the Tommy gun. We didn't hit him. Didn't try. Only wanted to scare him. I got tired of waiting for my dough. I got no use for a welcher. What about this afternoon? No, sir. Me and Farrar didn't have nothing to do with that. I'll take the machine gun wrap, but it wasn't us this afternoon. Elliot, Friday, step outside a minute. Yeah. Valentine. Yeah? Somebody just blew his hospital room full of holes. It took us 17 minutes with red light and siren to get to the Ferndale Sanitarium where Gus Valentine was recovering from his gunshot wounds. Three cruiser cars were out front when we pulled up. We went to room 12 in the west wing. There's the doctor, Joe. Yeah. How is he, doctor? He was dead when we got in here. He had a private nurse. Shot her, too. Dead. Anyone else hurt? It was visiting hours. Some woman was in there talking to him. She got hit. We're treating her down in the emergency room. Uh, appreciate it, doctor, if you keep your staff out of the room here until we finish our investigation. Yes, sir. Thank you. Let's have a look inside. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Mm. He didn't fool this time. Too bad he wouldn't give us more help. Yeah. We're no worse off than we were. We still have to find out who it was without him. I hope we can get to him before Valentine's crowd starts shooting back. We got to. Anyway, this cancels out his debts. You know his record. Yeah. He owed a lot more than he could ever pay. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On October 26th, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 97, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. It's amazing how many long cigarette smokers are changing to Fatima. Here is the actual report. From coast to coast, king-size Fatima has more than doubled its smokers. Yes, more and more smokers every day are discovering that Fatima is the best of all long cigarettes. Long cigarette smokers find Fatima has a much different, much better flavor and aroma. Long cigarette smokers find that Fatima is extra mild because it's the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make it extra mild. So enjoy extra mild Fatima. Best of all long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Billy Keel and Tony Farrar were tried and convicted of assault with intent to commit murder. They were filed on by the federal authorities, Bureau of Alcohol and Tax Unit, for the illegal possession of a machine gun and were found guilty in federal court. Because they were both in custody at the time of Gus Valentine's murder, they were cleared of any complicity of the crime. Valentine's killer was still at large. Next week, The Big Gangster, Part 2. 
You have just heard Dragnet, authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Today, the American Red Cross is carrying on a campaign to finance one of the greatest programs in peacetime history. Give now to the Red Cross. Fatima Cigarettes, the best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet, portions transcribed from Los Angeles. Tomorrow, hear the Halls of Ivy on NBC. The story you're about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a homicide detail. A notorious hoodlum in your city has been shot to death. A gang war is threatened if his followers seek revenge. Your job, find the killers. If you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke king-size Fatima. Fatima is the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos, superbly blended to make Fatima extra mild. And that's why Fatima has a much different much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. That's why Fatima has more than doubled its smokers coast to coast. So enjoy Fatima, the best of all long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. The documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Saturday, July 22nd. It was hot in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. It was 10 p.m. when we walked out of the murder room at the Ferndale Sanitarium and went down to the end of the hall, the emergency room. I'm sorry. I know this hurts. We have to irrigate the wound. Where are the bullets that were removed from Miss Stalling? Right on the table, Doctor. There they are, Captain Elliot. Thank you. Romero, you want to mark for evidence? All right. All right. Doctor? Yes, sir. wonder if it'd be all right if we asked Miss Stallings a few questions. I think so. She's still in a bad state of shock. It'll be as brief as possible. Yes, sir. Miss Stallings, these men are police officers. This is Captain Elliot. This is Sergeant Friday. Is that right? That's right. This is my partner, Sergeant Romero. Yes. You were in the room when Gus Valentine was shot? Yes. Do you feel up to telling us what happened? No. Excuse me, please. Surely. I have to paint this. 
the compress on it. You were visiting Valentine? So you better wait until the nurse finishes up there. All right, sorry. She got hit twice, just flesh wounds, but they're very painful. Yeah. Excuse me. Surely. You're all right. I can reach it. You were in the room when Valentine was shot? Yes, I saw it. Did you get a look at the men that did the shooting? I don't remember. Did you describe them? I don't know. Are you sure you're feeling up talking now? I don't know. Do you have any idea who the men were? No. Maybe we can talk to you later. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you do. You hear me? You hear me? Nervous shock. I'm sorry. We didn't mean to upset her. You didn't. Thought maybe she might be able to help you a little, but I guess not. Better make it sometime tomorrow morning. She'll be all right then. Okay, thanks. I don't Ben. Better have an ambulance move her up to county hospital. I don't think you should try to move her tonight. She needs a rest. All right, we'll have a detail of men stand watch here until she's moved. What time tomorrow could we see her? If you can make it close to noon, it'd be better. Good rest, she'd be all right. Better let me give you a ring. Right. Could you give us your full name and address? Yes, I have it right here. It's Ida May Stallings, 837 Donahue Street, Lindwood. All right, thank you. Anybody else here in the sanitarium see the shooting? Well, I saw the men. I couldn't describe them, just their backs as they ran down the hall after the shooting. How were they built, do you remember? About average, I'd say. Hard to tell. How were they dressed? Well, one of them was wearing a hat. Looked like some kind of summer hat. Straw? No, it was one of those, uh, what am I trying to say? You know, the kind. Was it an open weave hat? Oh, no, um, well, you know, very common in the summer. You mean a Panama? Panama, sure, that was it. White. What kind of suits did they have on? I couldn't tell you. I was in my office when I heard the shots. I came out in the car, and they were just making to the back door. Anyone else see it? Sylvia Proctor, the nurse who was in the room at the time. Why'd they kill her? I don't know. Any of the patients? Is it possible one of them might have seen him? Yes, one of them did see something. Bert Anderson. Like to talk with him? Yes, we would. And down this way, he's in room 38, just down the hall from the shooting. Uh-huh. I should tell you, Mr. Anderson lost a speech about nine years ago. He uses a child's slate to write on. Why is he here in the sanitarium? He's old, 73, lives on a pension. Except for losing his speech, he's as sharp as a high school boy. Hello, Bert. Sorry to bother you after all the excitement. Yeah, all right. We won't keep you up long. It's after your bedtime. Uh, would you hand me that box of chalk over there? Oh, yeah. Huh? Bert, these men are police officers. I want you to tell them what you know about the shooting tonight. Uh-huh. I thought you might have seen it. This is Captain Elliot from the Homicide Department. How you do, Mr. Anderson? And this is Sergeant Friday. Is that right? Yes, sir. How are you, sir? And this is Sergeant Romero. How do you do, sir? Where were you at the time of the shooting, Mr. Anderson? Sitting in here with the door open. Uh-huh. Did you get a good look at the men? Uh, what'd they look like? Hmm. Question more. I don't think he understands what you want to know. Yes, that's a trouble. Uh-huh. Let's put it this way, Mr. Anderson. How many men were there? Uh, let's take one of these two men. Can you describe one of them? That's the way, Captain. That slate's rather small, and he can only get so much on it at a time. He's like all of us. He wants to talk fast, and this is the only way he knows, so we have to make it easy for him. I understand. Built like the captain. You're Bill Skipper. Same man had a thin mustache. That's all I can tell you about him. How about the other man, Mr. Anderson? Can you describe him? Please. What's that second word? I can't make it out. Understand. For her. They were running very fast. Thanks. Yes, we understand. Did you see the other man at all? Fine. What can you tell us about him? All he could see was 
man was wearing a hat. A white Panama hat, Mr. Anderson? He says, yes. Was there anything peculiar about the way they walked or ran? Uh, did one of them have a limp, for instance? Didn't notice anything. Says he didn't notice anything. Could you tell us anything about the men's faces? They, they passed by so quickly. I was worried about the gunshots. Yes, we can understand that, but do you think you could identify them if you ever saw them again? He says he could try could Mr. Anderson come downtown if we have a show up? I don't see why not, but gets around fine. Now he wants to know why they killed Miss Proctor, the nurse. He says she was one of his best friends. We don't know, Mr. Anderson. Says he wishes he could talk. Maybe he could help you more. It's all right, Bert. You talk loud enough. Monday, July 24th. A roundup of all known racketeers and their gang members was ordered by the chief of detectives. Three show-ups were scheduled, one at 10 a.m., one at 2, and another one at 3 p.m. The witnesses that we had were unable to identify any of the men. The incomplete descriptions we had of the suspects was not enough to help the artist in the crime lab to build a composite picture of the killers. No matter what approach we took, it seemed that we were getting nowhere. The immediate apprehension of the killers was not only important because of their danger to the private citizen, but because of the ever-present threat of an open shooting war between Gus Valentine's followers and members of the murder gang, whoever they were. 3.15 p.m. I got it. Homicide, Romero. Oh, yeah, Lee. All right, thank you. Crime lab. They make a run on those slugs you got at the hospital? Yeah, no match. Oh, that's great. How fouled up can it get? Yeah. Hi. Come on, slow-mo. I'm with you. Hi, Rombo. Rombo's message here to call you why. Well, yeah, I better do it right away. Just know the skipper told Stromy and me to work with you guys on the Valentine thing. We can use all the help we can get. Joe, you slide the phone over? Oh, yeah, here you go. What's the matter? Change your mind? You let her ring once. She knows the signal. She's over at the mother-in-law's. Yeah? Mother-in-law's got lots of money and a limited phone. Let her call me. You got any ideas, Earl? Well, I don't know anybody who liked Valentine. A lot of them could have killed him. Just got word from the crime lab. There's no match on those slugs. And you didn't get anything out of the show-ups? No, no. Maybe that Stallings woman can give us something, huh? You haven't been out there yet? No, not yet. We've been sweating out the show-ups. Tommy and I read your reports. Rough go. We had an idea. Yeah. Well, of Valentine's boys you didn't get around to yet. Who's that? Benny Davis. He was pretty close to him. Thought a lot of him. If anybody figures to take over his interest, it's probably Davis. Well, you think advancement could have been the motive for him? No, he wouldn't kill him. Anyway, he couldn't have. Just got in from Florida this morning. That doesn't mean he couldn't have engineered it. Possible, but I doubt it. Stromy and I know his operation pretty well. Pulled him in on that Patterson killing six months ago. Checked back to his record. Never picked up carrying a gun. Well, it doesn't mean he couldn't get one in a hurry. I'm not going to guarantee, Davis, but I don't think he's your man, Joe. You got a line on him? He lives at the Churchill Arms out in Wilshire, near UCLA. All right, we'll talk to him. What was the name of that girl who was wounded, the one at the sanitarium? Ida Mae Stallings. We'll go out and talk to her if you like. Fine. Who's going to see the Stallings woman at the sanitarium? We are. The doctor just called in from out there. Oh, yeah? Says she got something important to tell us. What do you think? She ran with Valentine. She knew his friends. Yeah? Maybe she knows his enemies. As we planned, Detectives Rombo and Stromwall went out to the Ferndale Sanitarium to talk to Ida Mae Stallings. Ben and I drove out to the Church Alarms Apartments to see Benny Davis, one of Gus Valentine's close friends. He left a message with a desk clerk that he would be at his tailor's most of the day. The clerk gave us the address. It was an exclusive custom shop on Crescent Drive in the heart of Beverly Hills. Franklin Smith Limited. 
was one of those places that featured imported Scotch tweeds and fine English woolens. Good afternoon, gentlemen. May I serve you? Could you tell us if Benny Davis is in here? Uh, Mr. Davis. Uh, yes, sir. Third fitting room. Uh, to the rear, on your left. Thank you. Come on. Hmm. Look at that brown cloth, old bird, Joe. Yeah, that's Donegal tweed. That's nice fabric. I had me one of them once. Where's like iron? Oh, yes. This, this blue spin stripe, certainly fits a great deal better than the brown one. You turn around. Yes? Yes. Excellent fit. Yeah, looks fine. Uh, I don't know if I like that right shoulder. Looks a little low, Mr. Davis. Excuse me? Oh, this fitting room's taken, gentlemen. Benny Davis in here. Yeah, what is it? What if we could see you alone. What about? Confidential. Uh, no, Cedric, not like that. Pull the shoulder up. More padding, maybe. Oh, do you think so? I, I don't know if I agree, Mr. Davis. Well, you can see how it slopes off there. I like a good full shoulder. Well, you've got a good full cut here. Of course, too much padding is going to ruin the line of the jacket. I'd like more padding. Yeah, very well. Now, number two pad in the right shoulder and ease the armholes. Number two pad, right shoulder, ease armholes. What is it, income tax? What's the secret? We're police officers. like to talk to you alone for a minute. All right, be finished in a second. That takes care of this one, Mr. Davis. You want two-inch cuffs in the trousers? Yeah, on all of them. Uh, Cedric, be sure to get these sleeves short enough. I'd like lots of linen to show. Oh, yes, surely. Now, if you'll slip on the green tropical. <laughs> okay. I'll take the jacket. Thanks. <clears throat> Hey, and tell me what it's all about. Rather talk to you alone. Here are the trousers. Okay. <clears throat> Good looking suit, huh? Fine. Yeah, get all my stuff made here. I'll let Smith here make you a suit sometime. Got a fine suit of clothes. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Davis. Here's your jacket, Mr. Davis. Right. Yeah. That looks fine. Yes, the trousers are just right. A little fullness in the back of the jacket here. Uh-huh. And take in the center seam. Take in center seam. How much? And Here's the back. Raise the back. Shorten mm. the collar. Shorten the collar. <clears throat> Looks just fine. That's a nice soft roll of the lapels, isn't it? Yeah, good. All right, Mr. Davis. Now, how about the white Palm Beach? Nice Panama hat. It'd go good with that one. I never wear them. I like a coconut palm with a wide puggery band. Only if you could hold off the next fitting for a minute. We won't keep you long. All right. Any place around here where it's private? We can use Smith's office. Okay, Frank? Certainly. Go right ahead, gentlemen. Thank you. Which way? Back here. Okay, what's on your mind? Gus Valentine. Yeah, that's a tough one to lose. You got any idea who killed him? We're working on it. How do you mean? Just that. Well, that makes us even. There's only one difference. Yeah? We get paid for it. You don't. We thought a lot more of Gus than you did. Any law against striking down the killer? It's a law against shooting him down. Tell that to the boys who cut down Gus. I don't think you can get to him without us. We've done it before. You're a little late with Gus. We tried to keep him alive. We warned him for a month. He knew what was coming. We talked to him. Yeah, he told me. Funny guy. He had a mind of his own. He had a reason for not telling you. What was it? When we get there, we can ask him. You think you know who did it? Won't be too tough to find out. Meantime, you can work it from your end. And if you get to him first... Maybe we'll give you a call. Now, you listen, Davis. I'll tell you the same thing we told Valentine. It's not open season for murder. This town's had all the shooting it's going to have. Valentine's killer's going to go to the gas chamber. That's the only way he's going to go. You understand? Nobody said any different. All right. Then you can tell us what you know. Who do you think shot Valentine? I can't be sure. You've got somebody in mind. There's a dame. Who? Audrey Thompson. What about her? She runs around with a couple of guys. Yeah? There's never any love lost between them and Gus. They were... Always talking big about what they'd do if Gus got on the line. What'd they have against him? Business claimed Gus was squeezing them out. Was he? 
I never knew much about Gus's out-of-town business. That's where these guys are from. They're new in town. Figured Gus was cutting them off out here in the coast. Who are they? Shaker Brothers, Bud and Carl. Where can we find them? I don't know. They're in town somewhere. What about this Audrey Thompson? Nice dame. Hard to figure. Husband died a year ago. Real nice woman. Been doing the town of the Shaker Boys. Nobody can figure it. You think she's in on it? No, but she could finger him if anybody could. Lives at 8700 North Serrano. All right, Davis, thanks. What's the new wardrobe for? Going east to catch the new Broadway shows leaving Wednesday. Better hold off for a week, huh? All right. Come on, Ben. Think he's got anything? Could be. We'll run it down. Mm. Now, wait a minute. Yeah? Hmm... Sure do like that brown cloth. It's nice. Sheldon, yeah, help you? Um, how long does it take you to make up a suit? Anywhere from three days to a week. Uh-huh. You interested in having us make one up for you? Yeah. Yeah, how do they run? Prices start from 175 and up. This Donegal tweed here makes up for $250. Oh. Well, I guess not, thank you. Wears like iron. p.m. We drove out to 8700 North Serrano to the home of Audrey Thompson. There was nobody home. We went back to the office to check with Rombo and Stromwall. We drove in the Spring Street entrance of the City Hall garage. There's Rombo and Stromwall. They must have just got in. Hey, Rombo. Hi. How'd you make out? Stallings woman tell you anything? Well, we talked to her. Think maybe we got a lead. What's that? Girl around town by the name of Thompson. Audrey Thompson? Yeah, that's right. What'd she say about her? Said if anyone could put the finger on Valentine's killer, the Thompson girl could. Many Davis told us the same thing. What do you think, Earl? Two and two makes four. Let's find her. You are listening to Dragnet for the step-by-step solution to an actual police case. Here, step-by-step, are the reasons why Fatima has more than doubled its smokers from coast to coast. Step one. The name Fatima has always stood for the best in cigarette quality. Step two. Long cigarette smokers discover Fatima has a much different, much better flavor and aroma. Step three. Long cigarette smokers find Fatima extra mild. Fatima is the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make Fatima extra mild. And that's why more and more smokers every day agree it's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Yes, the name Fatima on that golden yellow package is your insurance of an extra mild smoke. So enjoy king-size Fatima. The best of all long cigarettes. Five o'clock Monday afternoon. We tried for three hours to get in touch with Audrey Thompson. A few minutes after 8 p.m., we contacted her landlady. She told us that the Thompson girl was out of town and would be gone for two days. She didn't know where she'd gone, but she told us that she would be back. We checked her apartment and found all of her clothing and personal effects. A stakeout was placed at 8700 North Serrano, and then we went back to the office and got out a local broadcast on Audrey Thompson. Tuesday morning, 8 o'clock, Ben and I met with Captain Elliott, Detectives Rombo and Stromwall. 
Get a line on the Shaker brothers? Located them at the Eagle Towers apartments. Got them under surveillance. I don't think it'd be a good idea to pull them in yet. See what the Thompson girl has to say, then we can move on them. That's what we figured. Yeah. Pull the packages on them? Yeah, they both got fair records. Been up on three raps, one conviction, second drug robbery in Tulsa. That's where they're from. Couple mm -hmm. of tough ones, always ready to use a gun. Apparently got a lot of dough somewhere. They've been throwing a lot of money around town. Pick up any rumbles about them? Well, we've been nosing around. We can't get anything on them for sure. They're not known around here. Shown the mug shots of the Shaker brothers to Mr. Anderson at the sanitarium. The doc, too. Yeah. Looks like the guys to them. Everything hinges on the Thompson girl. Check her out. Yeah, she used to be married to a newspaper man, Blaine Thompson. Died last year in an auto accident. No children. Went to high school here in town, local girl. Reputation's good all the way. Why the sudden switch to tough guys? I don't think she knows. You satisfied Davis is leveling with you? Well, if he's not, he did a good job briefing the Stallings woman. They both came up with the same lead, the Thompson girl. We had him in on the Patterson killing. You remember that, Skipper? He cooperated then. That time it was his skin. This time it's not. Well, I laid it out for him. He's been told. Well, how's it feel to you fellas? Pretty quiet around town? Yeah, it seems to be. I wouldn't make book on what might happen if we don't wrap this thing up quick. I think after Joe and Ben gave Davis a word, he passed it down along the line. Anyway, it's an outside chance. Mm. Well, they just brought in the Thompson girl. They send her in. Right. Okay. You just sit there, Miss Thompson. All right. Our detectives Friday, Romero, Stromwell, Rambo. How do you do? Guess you're wondering why you've been picked up. Yes, I was rather surprised. I was down at Palm Springs for a few days. I don't often get away. My boss gave me a two-day holiday. What do you know about the Shaker brothers, Miss Thompson? They're friends of mine. I go out with them. We have reason to believe they might be mixed up in a murder. I don't believe that. What's this all about? The Gus Valentine killing. Do you think they're mixed up in that? How well do you know the Shaker boys? Well, to be truthful, I don't know them at all, really. I met them at a dance. Who introduced you? Nobody. I go to the Brookdale Ballroom every Wednesday night with some of the girls from the office. It's open to the public. Carl Shaker asked me for a dance one night, and that's how I met him. You ought to pick your companions a little more carefully. Both of these men have criminal records. I didn't know that. You've been out with them quite a lot, have you? I've known them a little over a month, yes. They ever said anything that might lead you to believe that they were mixed up in any rackets? No, I never heard anything like that. You're sure you never heard them discuss any business dealings of any kind? Yes, I'm sure. You've been seen in quite a few night spots around Los Angeles with them, is that right? Yes, they always take me to some nice place. You always go alone with them? How, how do you mean? Which one of them do you go with? Bud or Carl? Well, I never really thought about it. Both of them, I guess. When you go out, they never take another girl along the party? No, just Bud, Carl, and myself. You go to most of the expensive clubs around town, is that right? Yes, like I said, we always go to some nice place. Do you ever wonder where they got the money? Well, they told me they worked for one of the aircraft plants. I thought you told us they didn't discuss their business with you. Well, I didn't consider telling me where they worked was discussing business. Did you consider that an aircraft worker's salary wouldn't even handle a cover charge at most of the places they've been taking you? Well, no, I guess I was having too good a time to question them. You see, Miss Thompson, you could spend a great amount of time with people and not remember things about them. Now, you sure you've told us everything you know about the Shaker brothers? Yes. All right, that's all. If you find out something you think we should know, we'd appreciate it if you'd give us a call. Well, I won't be knowing anything about them because I'm going to stop seeing them. I didn't know they had criminal records. That's entirely up to you. I think it's only fair to warn you that if you do have any information you're withholding, it'll liable you to persecution. I understand. And I'm not going out with them anymore. I wouldn't let them know you've talked with us if... They are the men we're looking for. Might put you in danger. I'm not afraid of it. Neither was Gus Valentine. For the next ten days, Audrey Thompson, along with the Shaker brothers, was kept under close surveillance. It was obvious that she'd either lied to us or changed her mind. She continued going out with them. She was seen in all the important night spots around town. Thursday, August 9th, we met with Captain Elliot. 
Skipper, maybe we better pull the Thompson girl in again for questioning. Let's hold off for a few more days. I'm afraid if we bring her down here again, the Shaker brothers could get wise. Since she decided to ignore what we told her, they might get rough with her. Why can't we move on them? Shake down their apartment. If we're lucky enough to come up with a murder gun, we can work from there. I don't think so, Joe. The record and only one conviction, I think we'd be playing a long shot. That's the way it looks to me, Earl. Maybe something will break if we can hold out just a few days more. Yeah, being watched awful close. If they try to move in any direction, our men will be with them. Friday. Yeah. Uh, can you step out here for a minute? Right. Excuse me. Please. Sure. Come back when you're through. Yes, sir. Yeah. The lady out here to see you. Thanks. Mr. Friday. Hello, Miss Thompson. I didn't stop seeing the Shaker boys. Yes, we know. What you men told me a couple of weeks ago just made me sick. To think I'd been going out with these men, been seeing with them. I've never done anything like that in my life. Yes, ma'am. I decided to try and find out what you wanted to know. You didn't ask them any leading questions. Oh, no, I knew better than that. Last night we were out and they had a little too much to drink and they got to talking. Yeah. I didn't say anything. I let them talk and acted interested. Yeah. I confess now, I'm terribly frightened. I spent the night with my sister-in-law. Could I stay here till you get this thing straightened out? Certainly. We'll give you protection, Miss Thompson. Oh. What'd they tell you? First, they got to talking about some girl called Ida May. I didn't catch the last name. Said they wondered if she saw them at the sanitarium. Yeah? Said they wished they'd finished the job that night, whatever that meant. Then Bud said, I don't think she saw us or we'd have heard. Anything else? Yes. Carl said... Did you see the look on Gus's face when we opened up? Then what? They laughed. I had a stenographer take Audrey Thompson's statement, and I filled in Captain Elliot, Rombo, Stromwall, and Ben. We checked the stakeout on the Shaker brothers' apartment. The suspects hadn't been seen since early that morning when they'd gone in. Detectives Rombo and Stromwall, together with Ben and I, drove to the Eagle Towers' apartments. It was 4.35 p.m. Strommy and I will go up the back way. We'll notify the men on stakeout to keep a sharp eye all around. Right. Let's go. Apartment 410 is the top floor. Yeah. Let's take the elevator. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Push four. Right. Just thinking. Yeah. That Thompson girl, long on nerve. It's this way. Hmm. Here it is. Cover me. Yeah. Yeah. Police officers. You all right? Yeah. Hit the door. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Windows open, so far as game. Come on. There they go, over by the ventilator. Watch it. There's Strommy and Rumble coming out the door under the roof. Rumble, watch it. They're up here. There goes one of them. Come on. All right, hold it right there. I give up. There goes the other one. He's making for that cable house. Stay with this one. I'll get him. All right, Shaker, let's put the gun away. You make a break under the roof, they'll cut you down. Hold it, Shaker. Ah! You all right, Joe? Yeah. 
Did you shoot him? No. I was trying to make it to the roof. He grabbed that hot terminal over there and knocked him cold. Oh, yeah. Move your foot, will you? Yeah. What's that? White Panama hat. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On November 19th, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 89, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. It's amazing how many long cigarette smokers are changing to Fatima. Here is the actual report. From coast to coast, king-size Fatima has more than doubled its smokers. Yes, more and more smokers every day are discovering that Fatima is the best of all long cigarettes. Long cigarette smokers find Fatima has a much different, much better flavor and aroma. Long cigarette smokers find that Fatima is extra mild because it's the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make it extra mild. So enjoy extra mild Fatima. Best of all long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Adolph Bud Shaker and his brother Carl Shaker were tried and convicted of murder in the first degree. On recommendation of the jury, they received life sentences. They are now serving their terms in the state penitentiary. You have just heard Dragnet, authentic cases from official police files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet from Los Angeles. Tomorrow, hear the Ronald Coleman's in the Halls of Ivy on NBC. Okay, and there we have our Dragnet episode. So like I said before, if you have any suggestions on different shows you'd like to hear, or maybe if you want to hear more of the old newsreels on maybe World War II or even other events, um, you can maybe try and put something like that together. Think about maybe doing a commercial episode with just a bunch of old commercials, but uh, we'll see what happens. But if you have any suggestions about the show, you can email me at otrplaylist at gmail.com. So until the next time, thanks for downloading and thanks for subscribing to OTR Playlist.